and welcome to Unlocking Conflict. My name is Sarah Hutt. I'm a coach and co-founder of Crux, which helps people have the conversations that matter. I'm joined today by Sharon Crooks, mediator and facilitator with Peacewell, Jenny Reed at Wandsworth Mediation Service, also a mediator herself, and Philip Guthrie, who is again a mediator and co-founded Crux with me. We're talking today about noise made by neighbours and what to do about it. So we know this is a big issue, particularly in lockdown and in London where we work, where sound insulation is pretty rare sometimes. And we've all been living on top of each other for almost a year now. So we're going to look very practically at what you can do if your neighbour is making noise that you're unhappy with. How are you going to approach them? What kinds of things should you avoid? What if it's escalated beyond the point where you think you can talk to them civilly? What if you don't want to approach them at all, but you're sitting seething there wondering what you can do about it? And what if you've already asked them, but nothing's changed? So all of these, these things that we might come across when we're struggling with noise that we can hear from our neighbours. I think it's worth starting off this session by saying that this is kind of everyday stuff, you might think, but it's really hard and what we are all collectively about is making these conversations a little bit easier and a little bit more successful in helping us live well alongside each other. But whatever your experience of noise with your neighbours is at the moment, there are small things that you can do which will help improve your situation, whatever it is at the moment. So that's just to say, um, don't give up hope and we hope this helps. So Jenny, Sharon, Phil, I am very excited to pick your brains on this thorny topic. So let's start off with the main question. I guess to paint a picture, imagine you never really noticed noise from your neighbours before lockdown, but now it's 12 months later, you know pretty much when they go to bed, when they wake up, when they listen to music, you've heard banging late at night, maybe weird scraping, there's children doing homeschooling. You can hear everything and you're very sensitised to it. What do you do? How do you go about approaching your neighbour to help deal with that issue? Sharon, do you want to start off? Well, you've given quite a long list of types of noises that might be agitating people. I think the most important thing to start with, if, there, if there's a wide range of things like you've just listed, to actually think which ones are the, the ones that are having the most impact on me, because I need to accept that people make noise when they live. So, for example, if it was loud music being played after what might be considered a reasonable bedtime, I might start with that one, for example. So my top tip is that if you can neutralise the opening phrase that you use in a difficult conversation, it's more likely that the person will listen to what you have to say. So starting a sentence with something like I've noticed and then making yourself be, make a neutral observation. I've noticed that I can hear your music at 11.30 midnight is a neutral statement. It's not an accusation. It's a kind of observation of, of fact. <laughs> and then if you can go into, it keeps me awake because I like to go to bed at 11 or 10, another neutral statement. And so you've conveyed the impact of what the noise is, is, is doing in your life, but you're not making accusations or judgments. And then try and frame a request. Would you be willing to 
have a chat about what time you might turn your music down is an invitation to have a conversation. You're not even forcing them to listen to your request, which is, can you turn the music off at nine o'clock? You're inviting them into a conversation. That, that would be my, my opening gambit as a suggestion. Mm. And so I'm imagining that in that scenario, you're knocking on the door and approaching them with that very neutral phrase to say, I've noticed X. I wondered if we could have a chat about it. Yeah. Because I think it's quite difficult for someone to say, no, I'm not willing to have a conversation with you. Unless you've already had previous conflict, but we can talk about that later in the conversation. They may not want to, but let's assume this is the first time you've knocked on the door on this particular thing that you've singled out from the range of noises that are really irritating. And you've narrowed it down to, actually, the thing that's bothering me the most is that I can't get to sleep at night with their music. That's what I'm going to make a request about. And I think in kind of preparation for that conversation, it's quite good to like, write stuff down like just work out be quite methodical in how you're approaching it so instead of just I know this is really hard in the heat of the moment charging up banging on the door it's thinking okay well like Sharon mentioned what's the biggest impact and how can I convey that in a neutral way and a way that can be heard okay so neutral and precise as well in terms of what particular noise is the priority for you. Jenny, I am so curious as a service manager of Wandsworth Mediation Service, I imagine you come across people all the time who have come to your service because they, they're having problems with their neighbours. What kind of things do people often do with neighbour noise that are perhaps less helpful? It's the heat of the moment point that Phil's just made is that it, there's an immediate reaction so if you've got noise coming from above you then you might back on the ceiling with a broom or um, do something immediate to show I can hear what's going on and actually that can be really unhelpful because the person who's making the noise might not be aware of how loud they're being or they can't help what they're doing it might be children that they are too young to control or something like that and so therefore banging just can escalate it all too quickly so I think yes avoiding that angry heat of the moment response immediately I think that's that's really important because obviously you've got to live with your neighbours um, and you can make a bad situation worse by the way that you're confronting it so try not to react in the heat of the moment Try and think about a time where you're calm to be able to go to the other person. I've, I've had examples as well of where people, instead of having a conversation, they do something unhelpful, sort of in revenge, like, I don't know, leave the rubbish in the hall or park their car in the place that is the neighbour's traditional space to park as a kind of active, passive aggressive revenge because they don't want to have the conversation about the noise. So then if you imagine the other neighbour who may not even at this point realise that their noise is the thing that's irritating, from their point of view, they've now experienced this act of aggression and inverted commas of rubbish in the hall. Why is the neighbour now leaving rubbish in the hall? Why are they, why have they suddenly started parking in my car parking space? So then there's another alternative internal dialogue going, in, going on for that neighbour who doesn't realise that the whole root of it is the noise that they're making because... As we say in Peace World, amazing things happen when people get talking. So 
the first step really is to try and have a conversation or to invite people to, into a conversation. Other unhelpful things people do is they might make a sarcastic remark when they're passing someone in a communal hallway, or they might have a little dig about something else. So they think they're conveying their anger or frustration, but actually they're not because they're not naming that it's the noise that's the problem. So again, depending on the state of mind, the person who's hearing it might have no idea what's going on when this sarcastic comment lands. Or sometimes people go straight to reporting their neighbor to the housing authority, the council, the housing association, even the police without having the conversation first or giving the neighbor any idea that actually they're causing a problem with the noise. So that's super escalation, I would say. But one of the issues is that you can get between two neighbours is that you can almost get a demonisation of the other person where once you've had that falling out and you're having those funny comments being made in communal areas or um, the police involved, then one of the difficulties is that it can be harder and harder to actually then go back and have that conversation that Sharon talked about because there's been this tit for tat kind of warring between the two neighbours and each side think that everything that that other person does is intentionally made to irritate and to get on their nerves and that can be really difficult to unpick which again goes back to the kind of the recommendation of speaking to the other person straight away. Yeah so actually taking what you've just said there Jenny what do you do if it's escalated to you know you've already called the police or maybe it hasn't been that extreme but you've already felt yourself at odds with your neighbour how can you row back from that if you can possibly bring yourself to do it something that can be quite disarming when something has already escalated is to kind of recognize that it's escalated out of proportion and to say can we start again we've got mm -hmm. ourselves into a bit of a difficult situation here or we seem to be we seem to be having arguments and things are escalating can we start again and have a conversation about the things that we think are really important as neighbours. It depends on what the relationship was like before you fell out. So, you know, but one of the things you may be able to do is go, I really used to love it when we were able to do X, Y, and Z. So what, a community mediation that I was involved in, um, it came out during the mediation that one of the neighbours had used to always make a birthday cake for the neighbour upstairs for years and years something like nine years and when they fell out about the noise the birthday cake stopped because that was a sort of very symbolic representation of the fact that they were fighting and one of the positive outcomes they agreed would be really nice if they could agree in mediation would be that the birthday cakes would happen again which I got really emotional about because it's so symbolic so they actually ended up having a lovely conversation about the cakes and how the downstairs neighbour was a really good baker and the upstairs neighbour really loved his cakes. So, so I think actually giving yourself permission to say, I think this is getting out of hand. Can we start again? Can sometimes just reset, reset things? Mm. It strikes me as you're talking that there's almost the noise and then there's what we do with that, the interpretation of the noise and the story we make about it. And, you know, we, we've had clients who spend quite a lot of time and energy thinking about what the noise is, why it's being made, maybe, as you said, Jenny, making it suspecting that maybe it's deliberate because they're trying to understand why this is happening to them. And for some reason, 
it's a lot easier to do that than to take the the brave step of actually going and talking to the person and finding the answers to those questions. That's why being curious about what the noise might be and why it might be happening. So approaching your neighbor with an air of curiosity is quite a good stance to have. If you can have, you know, if you can get yourself in that mindset to be like, I've noticed that this noise is happening. I'm wondering what that could be. I had a really interesting conversation with an upstairs neighbor. So the downstairs neighbor, as you said, Phil, had analyzed this noise and just couldn't work out what it was. And the only thing it could conclude was that the upstairs neighbor was deliberately doing something like banging a rolling pin to be annoying. It's a really loud noise. And when my co-mediator and I went upstairs to talk to the upstairs neighbor, the person upstairs offered us a cup of cardamom tea. And they took out a rolling pin to bash the cardamom pods <laughs> to make the tea. And my co-mediator and I looked at each other and went, oh my word, it's cardamom tea. <laughs> and then we were able to have a conversation with the downstairs neighbour about the fact that the upstairs neighbour had invited them for a cup of tea to talk about the noise issue. <laughs> And that if they had gone upstairs, they might have seen the source of the noise. And I'm just imagining like, the downstairs neighbour, if they had shared that cup of cardamom tea, when they heard that noise in the future, what it conjured up for them would be something completely different. It would maybe have conjured up a nice neighbourly conversation and kind of hospitality and, um, and all those feelings, rather than what are they doing with that rolling pin? Are they just trying to wind me up? That's why dialogue is so important, isn't it? And if particularly if your neighbour said to you, you know, come over and have a, a cup of tea or, you know, you might be a step closer to finding out what the problem is. And occasionally it actually has nothing to do with the other person. And it might be the building or somebody at the side of you or just something that's completely unrelated or the, to the person that might be above you or next to you. In which case, if you've kind of gone in all guns blazing, accusing that person, then you're less likely to kind of be able to work together to try and find out where the noise is coming from and what you can both do about it. Okay, so what about the people who are listening to this thinking, I just want to ignore all of this. I want to pretend that I'm okay with this because I would rather do that than have to approach the issue with my neighbour what kind of advice would you give someone who just is very reluctant to even approach the issue I've encouraged people before to think in the scheme of things how important is it for you for this noise to stop so actually what you're doing is you're making a conscious choice by by saying I'm just going to bury my head in the sand and pretend it's not there because I really don't want to talk to the neighbour, then essentially you're you're accepting the noise and you're making a choice. And if you do that, can you help yourself to come to terms with that's a choice that I've made? Mm. The noise is there. I've chosen to not say anything to the neighbour or give them an opportunity to explain it or to enter into dialogue. And that can sometimes help actually because it helps you to reframe it. But if it's not like that, then I would recommend summoning up the courage to go and at least have the conversation because then you know you've tried. And Sharon, what if you're thinking, but what if I ask them to change something? I have this difficult conversation and nothing happens. Or maybe they're quiet for a bit, but then it starts getting loud again. What do you do about that? One of the things that I 
in my kind of facilitation work, helping people to give feedback to each other in a work context, is say as part of that conversation, which starts with the neutral statement, is try and follow it round to once you've made the request, would you be willing to have a conversation? Then you have the conversation. Is at the end of that conversation, agree next steps. So in a work context, that's a bit more straightforward. So we'll catch up again next week on whatever the issue is. But if it was with your neighbor, you could say, if they've agreed to try something different, like I'll try and you know keep the kids out of the living room until 10 o'clock on Saturday morning so you can have a lie in, for example, so you're not hearing their noise. You could say at the end of that conversation, is it okay if we if we try that for a month and just have another conversation about it? So you've given yourself the permission to have another conversation and it's not you having to psych yourself up all over again to, oh, it still hasn't worked, didn't it? So build in permission for another conversation into your request is a top tip, I would say. And I think, I mean, if you really, really didn't feel like you could have a face-to-face -face conversation with them, then you could try and write a polite note that tries to convey the neutral stuff that we've talked about. But that's not the ideal. I think if you can do it face to face, then you can convey a lot more about your body language and how you're actually feeling about it. And, and, and there's a bit more connection there. But if you really felt like you couldn't do it right from the start, maybe you keep the note brief and you, and you just say, it'd be great to have a conversation. Um, I've been noticing there's, there's some noise that I'd like to talk to you about and almost leave it at that and don't leave any more detail. Don't put any emotion in it. But again, you're inviting them into a conversation. So what about people who are listening to this thinking, I, I think all of this is great, but actually I really need help because this situation is so acute that I don't think I have the ability to do the kind of things that you're talking about. Like how can Wandsworth or Crux or Peacewell help in those situations? Jenny. What we all offer together is mediation. Um, and mediation is an empowering process whereby we have neutral mediators that effectively sit in the middle of a conversation between the two neighbours to help them speak to each other. That's it, it's most basic form. It's, a, it's a, a facilitated conversation. And what the mediators would do is meet each neighbour separately, hear their story, and then if the parties were willing, they would bring both neighbours into the same room. Sometimes it might be going between the two uh, different rooms if they don't want to see each other face to face. And they would help them be able to explain what it is that they are concerned about and then help them get to a place of looking at what they each might want to do differently, having heard from their neighbour to work out a new way forward. So that's a really good option because it's the involvement of a mediator creates a sort of safe environment where people can feel that they can express those things that maybe they couldn't say in the corridor or things have got a bit too far and they're, they're too far apart to sort of work it out themselves. And that a third party who's trained to help them do that can be a brilliant way of getting to a solution. We all offer something called conflict coaching as well, which can be used alongside mediation. Also can be a separate session where you, it's really just a space to explore what's going on for you and what's within your control to change um, or actions you can take in order to improve the situation. And do they work? Like, do you actually see people manage to resolve these issues? 
what you see as a mediator often is what I call a penny dropping moment where one neighbour hears how the impact of their noise is affecting the other person and they're gobsmacked because they didn't realise what was going on for that other person's life. Maybe they're working early in the morning and, and so music after 11 is really bad because they're up at four. Um, and you get this sort of sense of their eyes being opened by the impact of that behaviour. And then that causes them to want to change their behaviour because they didn't realise what an impact it was having. And it's why mediators do what they do, because it's such a wonderful moment. And the mediators are not telling the parties that one should stop doing this or you need to start doing that. It, they allow the parties to work out for themselves what the solution might be. And that is what's so empowering about it. Um, so the person learns about the impact of their noise and offers to change their behaviour. Um, and that's transformative. Yeah, I remember one story. It was a fairly high tension mediation. There were baseball bats that had been threatened. To be honest, the mediation didn't go that well. There was a lot of shouting and one party just up and left, right? Because we allow it to be a voluntary process so that people can leave if they don't feel comfortable. But actually what we found out later was they went home maybe a week later. The downstairs neighbour, who was an elderly chap, invited the younger chap who lived upstairs down for a cup of tea and a piece of cake and they had a conversation and they managed to work their stuff out now the mediators weren't there for that final conversation but that final conversation wouldn't have happened if they hadn't come to mediation first so does it work yes sometimes it works in very surprising ways and ways that we aren't necessarily in control of but I would say it's, it's certainly a positive way to resolve conflict. So I mediated a case where neighbours had fallen out over noise um, and one neighbour feeding pigeons that were obviously doing their business on the neighbour's property. Um, and they had been friends before, but this caused a massive falling out. They were slating each other on social media and it was all a bit of a disaster. But after the mediation, at the end of the mediation, once they'd kind of talked it through and worked out what they were going to do about the noise, they were reconciled to such a point where they decided to they left the mediation together and they were going to Tesco to buy a birthday cake because it was one of their children's birthdays coming up. Um, and it was such a lovely moment to know that the hostility that we'd seen early on between the two of them, and you think you could never actually get them together, let alone uh, to a place of actually wanting to be in each other's company, uh, but it worked. So what kind of things do people actually agree as a result of a conversation or a mediation? I think they can range from small things to big things. So, so sometimes it might be a big negotiation about you know putting in sound insulation um and other times it'll be as small as can you just agree to not well it's not small in terms of impact but small in terms of something to commit to can you agree to not have your music above six on the dial and it can be as precise as that after 10 o'clock at night people can agree to put rugs down to stop children running around on wooden floors they can change the way that they open and shut doors if they're next to people's bedrooms. 
Yeah, and I've had uh, cases where they'll agree to kind of go out. You know, if they've got children, they might go out at particular times of the day because maybe someone's a shift worker or something and they're trying to sleep during the day. So maybe they take them out it for a period on a Saturday morning or something like that just to give a bit of a bit of breathing space so it can be quite flexible and I think also it's not always just about the noise there might be other things which are really important to the neighbour and which could be about bins or about communal corridors or whatever and so there might be a give and take based on I'll, I'll do this thing if you can perhaps think about how to limit the noise at this particular time. Yeah, so one of the things we do in mediations is we try and help people to imagine the beautiful conflict-free future. So if we were living in harmony as neighbours, what would that be like? What would be happening? And that's when you can identify things that matter to both sides. So the noise might matter to one person and actually having access to the, the easy parking space might be really important to the other person. And actually when they have a conversation about what does it feel like to be in a good neighborly relationship, each of, each person has something to offer them to put into that. And it feels like it's not just one criticizing the other and asking that they change things. It's, it's more of a, as Phil said, a give and take conversation. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, Jenny and Phil for those tips on how to approach neighbours about noise, how to open up the conversation in a helpful way, a neutral way, not acting in the heat of the moment, being specific about noise, building in a way of reopening the conversation if what you agreed isn't working, recognising it's a bit of give and take. And also then we talked about how mediation and conflict coaching can help people transform their experience of living next to each other when they've been unable to do that directly themselves. To end, I just want to say that we offer many of these really valuable services free of charge to people in Islington, Camden and Wandsworth. So please do get in touch if you're in those areas. And even if you're not, then please do get in touch because we might know other people who can help. To make it really simple, <laughs> I've actually taken the step this week of putting a really short message in the session notes, which you can just send on to someone who might be dealing with this issue. It includes a link to this episode for immediate advice and our contact details, and then we can just take it from there. Um, so I hope that helps. And I've also put links to all our organisations in the session notes for this episode. We know this is a really difficult time, so we just want to make it as easy as possible for people to get the help that they need. This has been Unlocking Conflict. Thanks for listening.